Happy Feast of the Ascension, everyone. Um, okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, make us worthy to pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not temptation, but those from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, everyone. Sorry, I'm a little bit tired today, so if my energy is low, forgive me. Um, so um, I'm trying to find my notes. I'm sorry. Where did it go? Here it is. Okay. Um, this topic, I don't, I didn't really prep it as a topic topic, like as, as a lecture. Um, although it might feel like it anyway, but it's just, it's something that I think has been brewing on my mind and it's not fully formulated yet. Just from conversations and confessions and Q and A's, um, of just like a concept that I think seems to be a little bit missing that really does affect, um, the way we approach our spiritual lives, the way that we approach prayer, and sometimes why we feel like things aren't quote unquote um, working. Um, so we'll get into, into that. Um, so I'm hoping that if there's like, there's definitely gonna be time for Q and A, I don't think I'm gonna talk for forever. Um, I'm just hoping that um, the questions um, are more related to those um, at the beginning um, and then we can we can do um, do whatever. So the concept that I want to get at is that I think the overarching theme is we deal with a relationship with God where we don't treat God as as a real being, um, and so consequently, what we end up doing is we're doing a bunch of activities as though they're being directed at some kind of object. Um, and so we don't feel anything and we don't see anything. And then we also feel a little bit stagnant. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to get at here is if you can think of, um, sorry for those who are in confession and we've talked about this lately, a relationship, these two fingers, I can't tell if they're balanced, um, where this is a, a being and this is a being. A relationship is whatever goes on between these two points, okay? That it's an interaction, it's a fullness of everything that links, links is the key word, these two people, these two existing beings. Because the overall theme that I'm trying to get at is, I think what many of us are doing is the line between this finger and this finger, oh, they're mirrored. Sorry, I thought I was going crazy. The line between this finger and this finger um, is made up of many events um, that happen in history, that happen in context, but the relationship encompasses all of it. Whereas what we're doing is if there's an event here or an event here or an event here, we start to treat those individual events like their goals. 
and we start to treat them like that's what spiritual life is and we start to form it around activity i prayed i fasted i read the bible i was nice to someone and we look at these as though that's somehow the magic that's that's supposed to happen okay so um so the bottom line that I'm going to get is, 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 is this concept of being. God's being and our own being. So number one, these are just what I had in my mind. There's, there's, there's three headings with some subpoints. Okay, The first thing is don't view events as the whole meaning of your relationship. Okay, Imagine if the, if for those of you who are not married and those of you who are married, imagine if your relationship with your significant other or your spouse was based on milestones, which has somehow become a thing. Where the minute you start dating, it's like, I wonder when we're going to speak at this hour where we're not going to have this rule. I wonder what day we're going to be allowed to go out for dinner together alone. I wonder what day we're going to be allowed to hold hands. I wonder what day I'm going to be allowed um, to do this. I wonder what day he's going to propose to me. I wonder what day we're going to get married. I wonder what day we're going to have kids. If you only have milestones as being the meaning of relationship, you're not in a relationship. You're, you're obsessed with the event, right? And so you might be with someone, but not be in a relationship with somebody. Imagine, for example, if, um, you want to ask your dad for money, okay? And so the whole relationship that you have with your dad, you're out for dinner, um, you went home for a week, but the whole time you're with him, you have one thing on your mind. These things can happen, but I need to get this event. I need to ask him for money. You're not enjoying your time with your dad. You're not getting to know your dad. You're not really in the presence of your dad, even though you are physically, but you're not with your dad because you just want something. You want this event to finish. And then maybe after you get what you want, then you might be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can tell me whatever story you want. But it's, 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 it's more about getting something. It's more about an event. And I I'm, and I'm, want to make it clear, my intention here is not just to talk about getting things it's not that's not my 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 point here that that is a valid thing to think about but my point is not about being just being selfish in your relationship with god i mean it in the sense of don't use milestones as the meaning of your relationship you every single event as part of the relationship because every event is part of the relationship right there are people that i'm very close with today um that i can say oh Remember when we first met? Yeah, I thought this, right? Oh, remember when we did this? But if, if in those individual events, I was thinking, oh, wow, today's the day where we're this, that's not natural. That's, that's very artificial, right? Um, relationships are more authentic when they develop organically, right? When they develop naturally. So where does that get seen sometimes in our spiritual lives? It's um, when you have a concept of how you should feel in prayer, for example. 
So imagine if I go to a close friend of mine and say, hmm, I don't feel overjoyed right now. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with our relationship? That's not a mark of the relationship. As a, as a matter of fact, part of the relationship is that I can approach my friend, whether I'm happy, sad, angry, impatient, excited, frantic, um, or completely apathetic. I don't have, I don't have as a goal when I reach, when I'm interacting with somebody, I don't have a goal of feeling a particular way. Because if I have a goal of feeling something, it's not about our relationship. It's about this goal of feeling, okay? Or, for example, um, if you have in your mind how someone ought to respond to something, then you're more obsessed with the response than about the relationship. I'm going to leave that one alone because I'm going to talk about more about in, in the third point subject. But um, or you don't, for example, I hope, assess your relationship based on how many hours you spend talking, even though the number of hours you spend talking might reflect on the nature of a relationship, right? But it's just that your relationship isn't the number of hours you spend talking. That's not what the relationship is. I have very close friends that I barely talk to, and actually I see it as a sign of the strength of the relationship, that we're not afraid of the integrity when there's an understanding. That's its own subject, right? But if you say, if we have a strong relationship, we should be talking seven hours a day. If we have a strong relationship, then we need to at least see each other this many times per month. Then again, you're not really focused on a relationship. You're focused on some event, some task, some duty, some obligation, some interaction, and you're defining relationship as a point on that line that we talked about, and you're not viewing the whole thing. Even though those things might matter. Like my point here is not to say anyone who's worried about that doesn't get it. Um, what I'm trying to say is you might be assessing it completely wrong. And if you do, you're not going to feel like there's growth. You're going to feel like it's stagnant. Um, what I'm getting at is that in events inform the relationship, but the relationship is not the individual events. They're just things that happen and they can happen in any order. For someone, they like event A might happen here, another person event A happened over here, but another thing happened here and, it, and that's not a problem because it's not about those events. So that's the first kind of subheading. Second one is like my go-to like line, which is be yourself, don't sin. Be yourself, semicolon, don't sin. And by that, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is if you try and take on a persona that's not you, because of what you think a relationship is, then you are not in a relationship. Fake you, artificial you, manufactured you is in a relationship. 
Okay. Imagine, um, and this happens, this is a real phenomenon. Forget spiritual life for a second, but this phenomenon happens. I see sometimes people want to be monks, people who are wanting to get married when they're dating still, um, where they will try and take a persona that's not their own because they think they're supposed to. So for example, um, you'll be dating somebody and you pretend that you're never irritated, even though internally you're irritated out of your mind. Forget that, that's like a, at least that we'll call that a sin. You're not interested whatsoever in going out, but you like this girl who only wants to go out or vice versa. And so you pretend you like going out, but you hate it. And so then eventually you get married and then you're like, I don't want to go out. And then your spouse is like, what's wrong with you? You used to love to go out. We went all the time. It's like, actually, I never liked going out. I was faking because I wanted to marry you. And it's like, well, I don't want to stay home. And I was never pretending that I wanted to stay home. If you fake it, right? I've seen people who will go into the monastery or they want to enter the monastery or, or they're coming to me confession um, that want to be monks. Um, I did a lot of these things at one point in my life, so I'm not, I'm not, I'll put me on blast, forget other people, where you'll act really calm and like you don't like to joke and you take on the very spiritual voice and you speak more slowly and you do a lot of mm and awing, right? And then if anybody insults you, you're just like, God forgive you, God forgive you. And in your mind, you're cussing them out or you're enjoying your show, but then you get what you want and it sucks because you can't fake forever. So you need to be yourself, be yourself. Don't sin. Maybe you're not talkative. No problem. You don't have to pretend to be talkative. So some people struggle with prayer. I'm not going to give anyone like, I'm not like going to give confessionals people here. That's for you to talk to your spiritual fathers about. I'm laying out concepts. So maybe you're not talkative. If you are a consistently not talkative person, you're going to find the talkative aspect of prayer in your spiritual life difficult because it's not you. That's not necessarily wrong. Right? And so to use another analogy, in a married couple, sometimes one or both in the marriage are not talkative. And that's okay. The marriage still works. But it won't be okay, the whole don't sin part, if you actively ignore everything being said to you. Okay? Your spouse is talking to you and you're like, I don't know what you want. I'm not talkative. That's not okay. Right? But you maybe you won't be spending four hours talking about your day and getting into detail about the groceries and who you saw at the mall and what you did when you got home. Um, but other people are into that and that's fine. Right? So it's, it, it, you got to retain your personality. God gave you a personality. And if what you're doing is not objectively wrong, then there's nothing to worry about. Right? And so if, if, if you're going to do evil with it, that's wrong. But if you're being yourself, that's not wrong. Maybe, you're not into music. And so 
somebody is really into singing spiritual songs or or praises or psalms and you're just kind of like yeah i don't know like i don't really like it am i supposed to act like it and so then you see all of your tazbaha people that are like oh my gosh like i just learned like three different ways of doing like the the third lopsh's i don't know what him right and you're sitting there being like i don't know like i'm just i don't really care if you're not putting down that other person no problem right in the same way that some couples might love going to theater and other couples can't stand it that's not a problem right but if you're trying to take on a persona that you're not then you're not maybe you're a nature person maybe you're a physics person maybe you're a touchy feely person maybe you're not touchy feely whatsoever you love systems no problem because if we look at the history of god's relationship with humanity god dealt with people as they were right we have abraham we have noah we have moses we have samuel we have daniel we have joseph the carpenter we have saint paul of tarsus we have saint peter the apostle we have saint john the apostle we have saint anthony we have saint moses the black we have saint john the short we have saint wisa all of these people are so different look at abraham for example abraham we see as a symbol of faith but abraham had doubt abraham if you look at the story of abraham i just want to show you how god dealt with personalities it's not to to do a mini bible study but abraham had doubt if you read the in genesis when he's having his back and forth with god he says yes lord i believe i'll follow you etc which is a big deal that's a very big deal that shows that he's got a lot of faith but at the same time the very same abraham okay the very same abraham kind of comes at god um and he's like um god like i i know you said you're going to give me a kid hasn't really happened yet how did god deal with abraham's doubt he said abraham i'm not I, he didn't get mad and say i already told you how many times do you want me to tell you do you believe me or not believe me right whereas god just said i promise you again i promise you abraham it will be as i promised gently no anger no rebuke no chastisement why he already sees that abraham does have faith and he's articulating in his own way lord i'm a little bit anxious i'm old right my wife she doesn't have a period anymore forgive me that's what it says in the bible i i don't know i believe you it just can you understand why to me this doesn't look promising right now right and so god is is looking at him and saying yeah i understand i understand and i also know that i'm asking you for so much i promise you abraham i promise you and when abraham took matters into his own hands right through his wife and 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 through hagar god didn't get mad at him and he says no i'll even bless ishmael no worries abraham that's not how he dealt with jacob and sarah um sorry jacob yeah and sarah uh, sorry jacob and rebecca with isaac right um their doubt was a different kind of doubt even though god had also promised to um 
to Rebecca before the kids were born, I'm going to bless this kid, right? He dealt with them as they were with their own personalities, and he still blessed Rebecca, and he still blessed Jacob. But he dealt with them as they were. Noah doubted, right? Noah doubted, and God didn't put it against him. But he dealt with Noah and his sons in a completely different way than he dealt with Abraham. Moses doubted, right? Moses doubted and Moses was disobedient, right? And so Moses, when God says to him, go and talk to that rock and tell it to pour forth water. And Moses goes up to it and Moses is used to using his magical rod. And so in his mind, it's like, he must not have meant talk. I'm going to do it my way. Um, and so he strikes with the rod. Interesting to see what God does. God still does it. The water comes out. But then God says, Moses, come here, buddy. That's not right. I didn't humiliate you in front of the people. Okay. But um, there's, you know me, I know you. You're going to understand why I'm putting you through this. We look at it being like, how could God do that to Moses? He did all that work. He didn't go into the promised land. Moses seems to have taken it and understood it, right? But the same Moses was himself. When God said, Moses, I want you to go talk to my people and to talk to Pharaoh and tell them to go. Moses was totally being himself, right? Moses could have been like, yo, check it, guys. God is talking to me. Therefore, I am a really big deal. I'm going to go there and tell them. And he could have taken on the persona of, epic heroic leader type deal and he didn't moses says to god i don't think you got the right guy i hate public speaking can you send my brother he's really good at talking i'm not a talker right where he he actually argued with god and god took him as he was right god didn't say No, I want to do this course. Moses didn't pretend to be somebody that he wasn't. Moses didn't have in his mind a goal of when he should talk to God, how he should talk to God, the form of how he should talk to God. He was just dealing with God as God, and he was being Moses. Samuel, right? Samuel seems to have seen God's dignity as his own, right? Where he says, um, God, like, look at these people. They're messed up, right? And what Samuel was doing wasn't completely right. God just told him, don't worry about it, Samuel. Why? He understands Samuel. Samuel's being himself. God is able to look at Samuel and say, it's not perfection, but let's be real. In Samuel's way, he's trying to show me how much he respects me. That's really nice of Samuel. Right? He didn't say, Samuel, come here. In Tamalek. Right? What is it to you? Right? He, he didn't deal with him like that. He let Samuel be Samuel. Joseph, right? The character of Joseph the carpenter, St. Joseph, the, the, the foster father of our Lord. Right? It, we see from scripture that here's a man who's very silent, reserved, cautious. Right? Um, and so when he finds out that his fiance is pregnant, he, he's being himself. He's saying a normal, rational person would look at this 
and say, something's wrong. And it must have been even more confusing to Joseph because tradition has it that when trying to figure out who should take the Virgin Mary to spouse, they took everybody's staffs and they put them in the, in the sanctuary, in the temple, and then Joseph's rod budded. So Joseph had a supernatural sign that he should take St. Mary to wife. And so to him, it's like, hey, even though this was supernatural, this other thing going on is really messed up. And so God dealt with Joseph as Joseph and said, Joseph, don't be afraid. The same supernatural that told you to marry her, I'm telling you, don't be afraid. I'm telling you, she's not cheating on you. Continue. God dealt with Joseph as Joseph. Okay. I can go on and on and on. Paul was zealous, loud, and talkative as a personality. Peter was loud and talkative in a totally different way. Both were called, both were apostles, both were amazing men. St. John was not. St. John was the cute, cuddly, touchy-feely guy. He's a saint in his own right. He dealt with God as a cute and cuddly, leaning on God's chest at the Last Supper. Totally different persona. Thomas. God made a special appearance for Thomas, and Thomas was being Thomas. I can't pretend that I agree with this. I don't agree with this. He didn't pretend. He said it out loud. St. Anthony was a moderate. He didn't pretend to take on any kind of virtue that wasn't his. He didn't try and act a certain role. Anthony was being Anthony. John Chrysostom is not my style of saint whatsoever, but he's still a saint. He was an extremist. He was an, interrogate, an interrogative, in my view, in-your-face saint, right, who was one of those people who just calls it like it is. That's what's said of him. All of these people were being themselves. And so I'm saying be yourself. Because in a relationship, you're dealing with two real beings. And one of these beings is you. And you are a real being. You're not an imaginary being. You're not a hypothetical being. You're a real living being. And so you need to be that real living being when you approach God. And that's why I'm putting also on it the caveat of don't sin. Okay? So when I'm saying be yourself, I'm not saying, well, this is just who I am. If who you are is who you are, great. But... We don't do wrong. You can't be like, well, I'm a murderer. You got to take it. God does accept murders. I'm not saying God doesn't accept you. I'm just saying, I'm not saying settle for wrong. You should always work for perfection. But I'm simply saying, don't try and act like someone you're not. There are very social monks and there are very silent monks. There are very social married people and there are very silent married people. Be yourself. Do not sin. And the final section is just like you get to be you. The part that I think a lot of people struggle with is you're, we're also often not letting God be God. Okay? Let God be God's personality because God is a real living being. He's not a hypothetical being if you reach the point of faith. If he's still hypothetical to you, okay. But then you need to recognize that you're not really in a relationship then yet because 
In your mind, he's a construct. He's not real. So if God is God, then you need to ask, what are the goals of your encounters with him? To know him or to do your time? Okay? Because if I say I have a relationship with such and such friend, therefore, an event within relationship is that we spend time together. I have scheduled one hour of my time once every X interval to have time. And then I go to that person and I sit there and I say, here I am. I am with you. I have done my time. I am glad that I'm being a faithful friend. Why are you not being faithful? And it's like, well, you're not really in a relationship, right? How is that a relationship? All of us know when, when you feel like somebody's talking to you, um, out of duty, right? We all know when someone's talking to us um, because they feel that they just have to. But it's different when somebody comes to spend time with you. And, and we all know when someone's spending time with you selfishly, where every time you go out, all they talk about is themselves, right? I felt really guilty when for like two years, all I did was talk about how sick I felt and this and that and that where I, I, it took me a while to wake up to being like, wow, I'm not letting anybody else be themselves. I'm dictating this whole relationship by just talking, talking, talking about me, 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 me. But are we doing that to God? Okay. Are you, when you go to encounter God in both formal and informal prayer, trying to know him or to do your time? What do you think about um, what do you think about or talk about when you pray? Pay attention to it. Are you like, look, 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 look? Are you just like, me, 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 Lord, this, Lord, that, help this, help them, do this, find this, learn this, do this, all, oh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are you going in being like, fix this, I want this, and you might have the best of intentions, but do you at any time stop and interact with God as who God is? Are you asking the question, who are you? Because God's personality is in all, literally, all of creation. Do you look for him there? If you're into physics, do you look for him in the physics? If you're into music, do you look for him in the music? If you're into nature, do you look for him in the nature? If you're into health, do you look for him in health? If you're into sociology and, and, and the arts, do you look for him there? He's everywhere. Do you look for him? Do you actively say, where can I find you in this? And then ask yourself, what do you know about God? And I mean, actually know, not think you know, not things you repeat that you know, not things you feel you know. What do you know about God? Because I don't know that many of us 
actually know much, even though I think most of us think we know. I think so many of us, somebody loses somebody and you're like, oh, trust me, God would never intend that. I challenge you to challenge yourself. How do you know that? You might be right. I'm just saying, how do you know that? Right? If someone says to me, um, did you see Emma Sabrina at the last clergy meeting? Oh my gosh, he was like busting out jokes and laughing hysterically the whole time. I would be right away being like, are, are, you, are you sure it was Embassy? I mean, like, I mean, he, he jokes, but he's not the guy that does two hours of stand-up. And he's not the guy to laugh hysterically for two hours in a public place. Like, that's not, that's not him. What was the circumstance? But how do I get to say that's not him? Because if I barely know him, my saying that's not him is just a random statement. It's just a random statement. But if, if I know him because I've experienced him, because I've talked to him, because I've been in his presence, because I've dialogued, I've interacted, I've listened, now I can say it with some degree of knowledge. Do you have that about God or do you just say things? How can you enjoy God if you're forcing God to be someone else other than what he is? That's such an important question. Because I think this is why we fight about God. Everyone, like the fights that happen about God are, are often because of who we are trying to present God to be, instead of asking the question of who is God, right? It would be like um, having a, two of us having a debate about, like two siblings having a debate about their, their parents' opinion on something. And that we think we've resolved the debate by our own intellectual exercise. One of the easiest thing to do is to just go straight to your parents and ask them, what's your opinion on this? Or if they've expressed it in some way that's known, to go to that. But if you're trying to make God be someone who he's not, you're not going to enjoy him because you're not interacting with him. You're, you're, you're interacting with your fake construct of God. And this is where people come up with lines... Um, like God should, and insert what God should do here. To be able to say God should, that's very presumptuous. That's a really big claim, right? Don't speak, don't force God to be someone who God is not, because God is a living being with his own characteristics, with his own persona. And just like you can see from others what they're like in different experiences, by just being with them during those experiences, try to do the same with God. There are times when God healed in his ministry on earth and times when he didn't. 
There are times for the Bible where God speaks, and there are times where God doesn't open his mouth. There are times where God responds to things, and there's times where he doesn't. There are same actions that God responded to in different ways. And the only way to get to know God is to be with God, to just be, to be with God, right? As you go through experiences with God, instead of telling God who to be in experiences, but going through experiences with God, then you start to get to actually know God. And then you might be able to know how God is or isn't. And because of this, many of us are demanding activity or responses of God that are not who he is. And that's not a relationship. That's domination. That's domination. And that's a real disease in spiritual life that many of us have. We, without realizing that this is what we're wanting, without realizing that this is what we're saying, we want to be God over God. We want God to be subject to us. God, I am sad. Comfort me immediately in this way. That's not God. Maybe it's not God, I'm saying. God, the clear solution to this problem is this. Do it now. You haven't done it? I don't trust you. You're horrible in this relationship. What kind of person are you? I thought you were God. But your God is your own construct. It's not the living God. And that's why God always presented himself as the living God. When Moses said to God, who are you? He went straight to the state of being. He said, I just am. Tell them I'm the one who just is. That's the name of God. I'm just being. This is who I am. I simply am what I am. You want to know me? Be with the being. Am with the am. It's not, I'm not being cliche. There's no simpler way to put it. It is literally that simple. There's not even a simpler way of saying it physically, right? We don't even have a simpler word or, or, or lexicon to say it than that, or just be, just be. Be with the be, be with the being. He is what he is, be who you are, be together. That's the only way to know him. If you don't do that, you're not getting to know him. You're in a very controlled relationship and you're not gonna have the full benefit of relationship. Not because God's withholding, but because you are forcing him to only work within this sphere. You're not letting him. Don't try and make God do anything. If you want the highest level of relationship, right? Because the truest relationships, the deepest relationships have no expectations, even though 
both people in the relationship are going to do stuff. But the beauty of a real relationship is when it is a free will offering from both sides. From both sides. Imagine a relationship, a friendship. Imagine a friendship where the person is constantly saying, you're a friend, you ought to do this. You're a friend, you ought to do this. If you're my friend, you would be doing this. If you're my friend, if you're my friend, if you're my friend. At one point, you're going to be like, I don't know if I can handle this friendship. There are way too many rules here. So you need to let God be who he is. Some people get mad and say, I prayed and God didn't answer. Is, do you know how God usually answers? Is God supposed to appear to you in your room? Before you answer that, ask if that's how God historically usually answered. If the answer is no, then ask why you expect it. You need to let God be God. So finally, I'm just going to end with some like tips um, and then open it up to, um, to questions. Sorry, I, did, I spoke longer than I intended. Um, some tips. Number one, incorporate your personality into your prayer life. Speak with your spiritual father about these things, right? Whether it's hymns, praises, or psalms, Jesus' prayer. Or hike, hiking, canoeing, wood burning, sketching, writing, composing, carpentry, laying in a field, staring at the stars. These are all things that can be part of prayer. Incorporate your personality into your prayer life because where your personality is, that's going to be part of where you're also going to see him. Second, do things with the Lord, not to the Lord. To is okay if you understand, like, direction as opposed to actions, okay? So activity and recreation, do that with God. Do your work with God. Have your hard times with God. Have your good times with God. Go through time, linear time, with God. Focus your normal being at Him. Live in a disposition directed towards Him. What I mean by that is, don't go into, quote-unquote, God mode versus normal mode. Normal mode should be you, just not sin. And so if you want to joke, joke, joke with God. If you want to be silent, cool, be silent with God. Just do it with God. Be yourself, don't sin. Focus your normal being at him. The early desert fathers, some weaved baskets. Some worked farms. Some did psalms all night. Others did Bible all night. Others slept all night. And they were all saints. They were all fathers and mothers. That's fine. Um, something that I did way back in the day, it's not that long ago, um, during my university years, and it's something that stuck with me, and I still work on it to this day, um, that might be useful. I actually gave every year a different question about the image of God. I called it the Image of God Project. I even asked some of my friends if they wanted to do it. 
and that we would come and, 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 and write stuff or meet together and talk about it like, like a couple of times a year of the image of God in, okay, I God, I want to explore you. I want to get to know you. I want to see where do I see God in um, scripture? Where do I see God in nature? Where do I see God? I was clearly more of a monastic type. Where do I see God in the desert? Um, where can I see God at the university? It was an active project to actively ask those questions of being like, where am I seeing you? And I was shocked at where I was seeing him. And it wasn't just in the obvious. Because when your mind is trying to get to know someone actively, you'll see more. Right? Where I'm like, oh, wow. You're in this situation too. Wow. You're working in this atheist right now. That's amazing. That's beautiful. You're working with this person. This is a place I never thought I'd find you. Oh, wow, this whole like setup, um, you end up seeing more and more and more and more of him when you do this actively. So it's, it's a nice project. And then during Lent, during Advent, then I might zoom in to something for just that period. Um, don't act a rule, okay? And I should do, right? Don't act a rule. That doesn't mean be stupid about sin, but don't pretend to be someone that you're not. Don't try and be the same person, for example, as your role models. Um, I've told this story before, I'll tell it again. Abuna Suriel Kustandi, because of how spiritual I saw him and how quiet and meek he was, is um, when we were both still in university, I started trying to imitate his voice. I couldn't do it. It wasn't me. Like I was doing the whole like, hi, Baba. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Why am, why am I doing this? Like, I, I can't. It's not me. Right. And I, the, the reality is I don't need to be that. If my speech is wrong, then I should stop my wrong speech. But if it's not wrong, I'm, al I'm allowed to be me. God lets me be me. Um, so don't try and be your role model. Learn from your role model, but don't try and be your role model. Because you are you. Your role model is your role model. Otherwise, you're insulting God who made you as you. God made you, you. He didn't make you another person. You all have individual DNA. Your own unique DNA. You have your own unique personality. If he wanted us all to be the same, we would all be the same we're allowed to be different. Does that mean, just before I wrap it up, no drills, no activities, no fake it till you make it? No, that doesn't mean that. There are, there are places that you might need drills to learn about relationship in the same way that kids as they're learning relationship sometimes need the parents to step in to teach something, right? Like um, if your child is just learning how to deal with, their, with having friends, I'm like, hey, you need to share, right? If they start yelling and screaming, like, hey, speak nicely, right? That there might need to be some instruction. There might be some of that. But that it's still letting somebody go through life in a natural, normal way while receiving some direction in it. That's, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to be sophisticated. I don't have a billion quotes or verses today or anything like that. Um, I just was trying to get some stuff off my mind as feedback. Um, glory be to God forever.